It is my pleasure to introduce our speaker of the hour, a man that, uh, at least in the Denver area, doesn't really need an introduction, um, especially among teens, and that is Brett Carter. Uh, Brett Carter has uh, been a teacher for about 25 years, about 23 or so. He's taught at the Highland uh, Christian School up in, uh, at the Northwest uh, Congregation, and, but better known by most here, I would say, um, is the director for Camp Koinonia. Um, Brett, how long, how long have you been director? For 400 years. <laughs> 400 years. Um, I know it's at least since I was 11 years old he was director there, and that was uh, 300 years ago. <laughs> so um, in all seriousness, uh, Brett is one of the most influential guys uh, in my life. Uh, I have learned so much from his example, from his dedication, from his very quiet humility of just hard work uh, behind the scenes. He's not an attention-seeking guy, um, and yet he is a great servant, and he's a, a man that I have looked up to for a very long time and have learned a great deal from. He is also an incredibly creative person. Uh, you may or may not know this, but he's written a bunch of books, um, some faith-based, some um, just fantasy-based in just a wide variety of fields. Um, he creates plays. If you again, if you've been to Camp Koinonia, then he creates uh, the jewel hunt themes and games. Very, very creative person. A very talented person. But again, you wouldn't know very much of that because he's certainly not going to promote it himself. Um, but I get to promote it here. So uh, we're in for a special treat. Our subject today is reality check, um, which is certainly one that we could all use from time to time. Looking forward to hearing what Brett has to say. Come preach, word, Brett. Thank you, Brett. Uh, I've known Brett a long time, like he said, and uh, he and I have got to do a lot of fun stuff together. Uh, we, In fact, a lot of the coolest stuff I've ever seen is was Brett was behind it. And, and I am thinking seriously about this Christmas asking for another T for my name. So, so I'll be as cool. No, we, we've, I've, I've been so blessed to spend time with Brett, and uh, I'm, I'm really grateful to be here with you guys. Hi, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, I really, by the way, I want to draw attention. Uh, there was so much that was said before. Uh, Steve mentioned that you're the church of right now, and I just really want to second that. It's such an important thing to know, and I really appreciate you, as young men and young women, be here. And um, if we have time at the end, I'm going to ask you for your feedback, and if we don't have time, if afterwards you have some further thoughts about some of the things I'm going to talk about, I would love to hear it. These are things that have just kind of been on my mind, um, just looking around, um, but I really would be curious about your your thoughts on the matter if we have time. Uh, so since I appreciate you being here to return the favor for you, I'm going to do something horrible to you. I'm going to give you a test, all right? So if you, uh, what I'll do is I'll show a picture, and if you know what it is, well, it might be more fun if we have people raise hands if they don't know what it is. You want to raise your hand if you don't know what it is or if you know what it is? Don't know what it is. Okay, so if you don't know what this is, raise your hand. Okay, so far so good? Okay, all right. A plus so far. Uh, how many of you don't know what this is? Okay. All right. Good. Now, this is kind of a trick question because it's kind of a trick question because you have this is like your the great grandfather of your flat screen. Uh, so this is actually an early early television. So that was not fair. Okay. How many of you don't know what this is? Okay. Your grandfather probably has one. So I don't know. Uh, how many of you don't know what this is? 
Okay, still good? Okay, I got a couple more. They're going to be pretty hard. These last two are pretty hard. How many, how many of you do not know what this is? Okay, yeah, hands are going. Okay, all right. The truth surfaces. Yeah. Okay, one more. One more. This is I saved the hardest one for last. How many of you don't know what this is? Okay. <laughs> okay. It's not a tiny Game Boy or something like that. It's a... Oh, yeah, I didn't tell you what these were. That's uh, a camera. You probably knew that. That's called an 8-track, and that's called a pager. Uh, it's not a fair test. It's not really a fair test because it's not part of your world. Um, your world is a lot more sophisticated than the things that I just showed you. And so we're going to look at uh, the way things are today, and it's going to be even harder of a test for you uh, because of that. It's going to be harder than the test that you just took. And I'm actually going to head towards something I think is pretty important. But we're going to kind of do it in a very roundabout way. But I hope you'll stick with me because I really would be curious what you think. So there's this old saying, a very old saying, if you want to know what water is, don't ask a fish. And you think about it, that's good. They're surrounded by water. They are born in water. Their whole life has been water. It's all he's ever known. Doesn't have any insight about it. Probably doesn't even think about it. To him, it's just the world. We have the same problem. We're surrounded by our culture. We're born in our culture. We'll live our whole lives in our culture. It's all we've ever known. We probably don't even think about it. We don't have any insight about it. It's really important to kind of know that. And this is especially true when it comes to our technology. Um, our inventions become so much a part of our lives, we don't even see them anymore. Uh, you know, they just become part of the water. We're not very good at noticing how devices affect us. And, and I'm not going to bash technology. I'm using it right now. So it's right here. Uh, you, at the end of this, it's good news. You get to keep your cell phone. You can love on your cell phone later. Uh, but and technology is a good thing. It can be a very good thing. It can save lives. It can transport you places. It's nice. Uh, one guy said, "If you, you know, because you hear people like me saying, what about the good old days? And say, well, if you miss the good old days, turn off your air conditioner, and then you'll be able to re-experience it. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about old stuff. I'm going to talk about new stuff. I'm going to talk about screens. And here's one right there. <laughs> it's a screen of a screen using my screen. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about screens. Screens are magic. They're a lot better than they used to be. Uh, here's an early one. Uh, and, and movies, uh, you probably know, in, in fact, I bet you do this. You see a movie, I think, probably before the 1990s, maybe before the turn of the century, and you say, that's so fake. And you see movies like this and say, oh. And you walk out with disdain, and they did not pull off the special effects, and you're, you're very uh, offended. Uh, in my, when I was your age, we used to walk out of movies saying, we'd sometimes say, oh, that was a dumb movie, or we'd say, oh, that was a great movie. Or sometimes it was pretty cool. You don't say this anymore. We used to say, how did they do that? But nobody asks that anymore. Nobody asks that question anymore. You just say, well, it's CGI. That's how they did it. It's digital magic. It's just CGI. We have reached a significant point. We can use technology to alter real life, or at least our perception of, us, uh, of, of it. We can remake reality. And you can re really see this progress in our video games in particular. Uh, it's just changed, hasn't it? Sometimes it's even hard to tell the difference, especially trailers for games. I'm sure you see it and say, is this, a, is this live? No, this is animation. And it's getting harder and harder to tell the difference. Well, once upon a time, when I was a little bit younger than most of you, I think, my dad sold Pong machines. 
Yeah, it was one of his jobs, and it was in this big table, and it was a TV screen built into the table, and it'd be in a restaurant, and you put quarters in it and played Pong. It had two paddles, and it was pretty exciting. And at Christmas break or Thanksgiving break, he had a sample in the back of the van, and we'd haul this big old table down into the living room and play Pong for hours for free. And then, <laughs> then they added a second paddle, and it was hockey. And we were in the 21st century. It was actually 1970-something. But, it was, but you know, games have changed slightly, a little bit. <laughs> but you know what? I, this is what I, where I'm headed with this. And it's more than just better graphics. Games have become more than games. They're cultural icons. They're social networks. A good friend of mine even was about, they almost got married online. Uh, you know, you can do that. It doesn't count, but, you know. Uh, you can do that. But we don't just play games anymore. We live inside them. It's a very strong possibility. You, you know, in the olden days, they used to say, YOLO, it means you only live once. Uh, that's changed now. It means you only live online. Have you heard that before? <laughs> and we play games. All of us have in some fashion. Uh, this is not an anti-anything message here. Uh, but we play games because they're fun. But many people... It seems to have something for them. It seems to have something that's missing. I think that's why they're drawn to it. And this is what's fascinating to me. They have their everyday normal life, and then they have this game. In fact, this one gamer, he said, in a digital world, in the online game, there are clear expectations and attainable goals. He says, that's why I like it. Online life can feel more meaningful, even beyond realistic. And games are amazing. And I'm not just going to talk about what's going on now. I'm going to talk about what's probably going to happen next. Some of it's already happening. You probably know we're just getting started. Some of you are already involved with this. It's virtual reality. It's so cool. My nephew let me try it on, and it was much cooler than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but virtual reality is here, and it's amazing. You can put on this headset, and I'll be almost totally immersed in another world. I promise I'm going to get to the point. The introduction is about 40 minutes long. Okay, just so you know. <laughs> But the system can fool our brains so much you can believe you're standing in a much more fascinating place than where you are. And systems are getting better. Fake reality is becoming almost indistinguishable from reality. It seems like living a virtual life might eventually be far better than living real life. Seems to be headed that way. It says, well, you can have your everyday life or you can have this. And you put it on, and there's a draw to that. Some uh, virtual reality fans have been kind of sarcastically refer been referring to something called RL. They don't want VR. They want RL. Or they don't want RL. They don't want real life. But virtual reality doesn't just take you to another world. It blocks out the real one. It blocks out our troubles, blocks out responsibilities, because fake problems are a lot easier to face than real ones. So there's this guy, I'll mention him briefly, he wrote this book called Technopoly, and in it he said something pretty interesting that kind of stuck with me. He's, he's talking about the stuff that we invent. He said our inventions create the ways in which people perceive reality. And he wasn't even talking about games, he was talking about clocks and lights. These devices have changed the way that we think about life. This might be especially true with digital stuff. The ones that can blur the line between special effects and reality. There was this woman, she was walking uh, along the beach with her, her daughter, it was a little, little girl, and her mom, they, they spotted a jellyfish, and she said, look, mommy, a jellyfish, it looks so realistic. 
<laughs> yeah, it wasn't her, but yeah. A jellyfish. That's my daughter. I've asked her to repeat of certain things. But, you know, we all know the difference. I mean, come on, if I brought a headset in right now and put it on and we wore it, we would know the difference between what's real and what's not. Even virtual reality wouldn't fool us forever. When you're fighting a fake enemy, eventually you meet a real wall. You've probably seen that happen before. We know when we're wearing a headset. It's not like we're going to get online and never get back off. But deep down, we also know that as graphics become more real, as virtual reality becomes more like real reality, there will be people who will never want to sign off. And there's so much more on the way. We've got virtual reality. I don't know if you, you may know about this, and I'd be curious if you know more about this than I do. Maybe we can talk afterwards. There's something called AR. Has anybody heard of this? We can do the thing where you actually have heard of it. You can raise your hand if you've heard of AR. Have you heard of augmented reality? Some of you are already doing it. You just didn't know it was called that. Uh, virtual reality replaces reality. Augmented reality alters it. So what they're doing is they're working on wearable computers where you actually wear your computer. It will be woven into your clothes. And what you'll do is you'll have tiny contact, you'll have contact lenses with tiny screens in them and then implants for your ears. And so like right now, if you uh, ask something and I say, you know, it's very interesting, let me Google that, I could just gesture and I would see it, you wouldn't, and Google would be right there and I could be like, and I could be online all the time. They're working on that now. This isn't made up stuff. They're calling it a digital metamorphosis. You gesture and the online world is right in front of your eyes. Without... I don't know, without saying it, how do you feel about that? Maybe some mix of kind of, this part of you kind of like, well, that's kind of cool. And part of it's like, that's kind of creepy. So, well, it's, uh, but think about it. If, you, if, you, if your life gets boring, you could overlay entertaining augmentation. You could have the game in your room. With a wearable computer and an augmented reality, you'd be able to make life far more interesting than it actually is. Can you imagine? I could just gesture and all of you would look like hobbits or minions and I'd be very entertained the whole time. <laughs> you could go anywhere and do anything. They're actually working on a program called Recognizer. It's called uh, Recognizer because it's face tracking software and it automatically identifies someone for you. Uh, it's, if you're wearing your computer, the display would appear above someone's head and you would know their name, their birthday, and occupation. It's kind of like Facebook, say, happy birthday. Thank you, friend number 327. You didn't remember my birthday. But, uh, but this face recognizer thing is you could automatically, uh, oh, they have this job, that's their birthday, and so on. Uh, a journalist said, what we're doing is we're fixing reality. I thought that was kind of an interesting way to put it. Could be exciting, could be creepy. With all technology, there's some benefits and some big problems. Here's one problem. When someone says your name, you won't know if they really remember you. It could just be someone who just hacked into your system. Hello, Edna. <laughs> could be a total stranger and he'd know the color, of, you know, your favorite color, your favorite music. And even if someone didn't hack into your computer, they could augment your reality during your driver's ed test or something, but however they wanted. You could see this coming down the street or, you know, something more realistic. They could make you hear sirens that aren't happening or cries for help. You could lose all sense of what's real and what's not. 
even if you kept the hackers out, reality would always be fragile. There would always be this constant temptation to change the look of your life rather than deal with it. Technology, as one guy put it, has made it so you can lie to yourself about your life more effectively than ever before. And this is the truth about all our inventions. They don't just change our world, they change us. As we invent things, they reinvent us. And as we venture deeper into the 21st century, it's smart to be at least a little cautious. I, I can appreciate the fact that it's exciting to know, you know, to find out what's going to come around the, the corner next. But anyone who values their mind and soul will at least hesitate before letting anything tamper with their perception of reality. One guy said, we shouldn't allow the glories of technology to blind our inner watchdog to the possibility that we've numbed an essential part of ourselves." And that essential part of ourself, I would argue, would be the soul. So, but let's be fair. We've been augmenting reality for generations. We do with books and television and bedtime stories. We've always been surrounded by lots of real stuff and lots of real stuff. And that's not the issue. The issue is whether or not we lose the ability to tell the difference. And this is important because reality is brutally unforgiving. No matter how hard you pretend you can fly, gravity will not play along. When it comes to enjoying our imaginations, we have to remind ourselves we aren't really changing reality. We're just changing our perception of it. The trouble starts when we try to run our lives in a way that doesn't feel, you know, doesn't fit real life. There's one thing about reality that you have to keep in mind. It, reality is real. Reality also has another important characteristic. There's only one. Our technology and our imaginations have created the very convincing illusion that there's many, many existences, but there's only one reality, and to top it off, there's only one right way to, to live it. You don't get another try. There's no bonus lives. Fortunately, there's a book. It can give you all the information you need to get life right the first time. If you want to have an accurate perception of reality, your only hope is the Bible. Now, lots of books claim the same thing, but this is the only book that has stood up to intense investigation. Everything about it, you check it out for yourselves. Dismiss, you know, kindly the ones that say, this contradiction, and that just is what, raising their hands saying, I don't study my Bible. Check it out for yourself. Not one contradiction. Everything about it confirms it was inspired by God. You and this book have the same author. He made the book and he made you. He also made reality. And that's why the word can map out the best way to live. There are two ways to live. The wrong way and the right way. Romans 8, 6. If you have your Bibles, you're sure welcome to look it up. Sometimes uh, different translation can be helpful. And like I said, we may have some more time here at the end for you to bring up some things. But I, I often come back to this verse because it's pretty simple. And it's kind of startling. I think of it this way. You notice it says, for the mind set. Now, how do you set your mind? For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. If you don't know, this is a, a, a watch. Some of you will soon not know what this is. It's a wristwatch. If I want to know what time it is, for sure I have to set it. If I, and if I know the correct time, I look for a standard of some sort so I know. I can't just guess. I have to set it. So the word helps us to set our minds in the right direction. You can live a life. You have a choice. And it's so nice to be able to talk to you while you're still young. There's still some time before you think you know better, I guess. 
because there's a lot of people living out there who think they do. You can live a life that gradually spirals down into a lesser, fragile existence, a false existence, or you can live a life that matters, a life that's real because it's authentic and meaningful. I don't know if this is a reach or not. You might think that Satan's kind of like the ultimate hacker who tampers with our perception. He lies. He deceives. Somebody said this to me recently, really stuck with me. Every time I sin, if you follow that sin back up the road a ways, it's because you believed a lie at some point. He lies. And you know, this, this hit me too. You know what's scary about being deceived? If you're really deceived... It feels just like when you're not deceived. Being deceived, you feel just fine. There's part of you that feels totally fine, even though you're deceived. It feels just like you do when you're doing great. But you have to get past the noise. You have to read it for yourself. Otherwise, otherwise, you'll end up like the guy who's disconnected from reality. Trying to live life without the Bible is very much like trying to live online. It feels fun, but it's not real. Oh, it's actually happening, but it ultimately means as much as your life online. It's like the guy who signs off, signs on and never signs off. You'll be missing out on what life was meant to be. Bible, I think of as kind of like taking off the headset and going outside and say, oh yeah, sunshine. And see what's really happened. Do they still do that? Some of the games I knew the I know the we did this, and sometimes Netflix will do say, "Hey, couch potato, isn't it time to get up and go outside?" I don't think they do that anymore. They had this program that did that. The Word of God provides clarity. Here's Romans uh, twelve one. If you want to take a look at this, this one really gets my attention as well. Because if I don't go to the Bible, I really only have one other option. I can guess. You say, "Well, no, I can talk to the people." Guess what they're doing? They're guessing. Without the Bible, your only other option is to guess. It's put this way in Romans 1.21. They, they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Uh, without it, you end up being blind and it's so much worse than being physically blind. In fact, it describes Satan as the god of this world. The god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. It's a complete corruption of perception. I really believe that the, the Bible helps us snap out of it. It's like, okay, I think I've got a clearer perception of things. Here's 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. And that's really interesting because I don't know if you know this. As, as we leave here shortly and you go back out and do the busyness out there and the traffic, look around a little bit. And I think you'll see that that nails it on the head. Everybody's asleep. This concept captures a lot of what's going on around us. Everybody's asleep. In the 21st century, it might be happening on a whole new level, whether it's ourselves or our social media, our connectedness. It's put us in a state of continuous, partial attention. More and more people your age are making sure that their friend that they're talking to on the phone is not checking Facebook and texting and doing all kinds of, and uh, upgrading Instagram. It's hard to find somebody's full attention. Like, see, it's even now to pay, hard to pay attention. Even right now, not everybody's paying attention. It's so funny. But he says it can be fleeting and disconnected experiences. I love how one person put it. Everyone is everywhere except where they are. 
In fact, a Roman philosopher, just some guy, 2,000 years ago, he was eerily accurate. He said to be everywhere is to be nowhere. It's true. Our technology helps us slip into this dreamlike state if you're not careful. I know some people, and you, and you may be included, say, I don't care, it's a fun ride. And that that's, might be one option. But it, I, you know, have you seen, you've probably seen enough movies or read enough stories or had enough conversations where they say, I wonder if machines and artificial intelligence will someday become self-aware. And I think that's the wrong question. I think the question is, will we? The Bible provides clarity. It also gives you access to information that might seem pretty incredible. And if, in a way, and I'm going to go through this, I want you to look at 2 Kings chapter 6. There actually is more than one reality, or at least one more than just this physical life. There's another level of existence. It's a spiritual existence. And the Bible provides an interesting moment when someone got a brief glimpse behind the scenes. I'm going to read this for you. Uh, for the sake of time, in 2 Kings 6, it's uh, Elisha and his sidekick are surrounded by this really horrible army. And so Elisha, the, the sidekick's kind of freaking out. And so the so Elisha says, okay, he, he makes a, a request for this guy, for the sidekick. Here's 2 Kings 6.16. He says, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now the sidekick looks around, he just sees thousands of bad guys, and it's just he and Elisha there and maybe a handful of others. But then Elisha asked God to kind of give his sidekick an upgrade with his perception to let him see what was really going on behind the scenes. And this is what happens. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is a pretty important bit of information. What we are currently seeing, what we are currently experiencing is not the grand total of what's going on. There's another level of existence. And we have been trained, unfortunately, by movies and things like that to imagine this misty city where people made of gauze or something are just kind of drifting around on, uh, with nothing particular to do, uh, about as durable as cotton candy, about as uh, solid as virtual reality. I don't think that's the case. Um, we, we stand in this place, and this, this place seems so solid, and then you're telling me to hope for this place that's kind of, I don't know, this cloudy maybe? Well, a little bit of science I think is pretty interesting. You probably know about this. Uh, reveals something pretty crazy about this physical realm that we're standing on. Everything's made out of atoms. Everybody knows that. And there's a nucleus with electrons whirling around. And a lot of, there's a lot of distance between the middle of the, the atom and the outside. A bunch. Some of you know this. Have you heard the analogies about this? There's a great distance between the outside and the inside. In fact, they describe it as an electron cloud. Yeah, you know about it. And so it's, I, I'm, uh, it's amazing to me. Most of what we're standing on, most of what we are and what we're doing is mostly cloud. This is the cloudy place. In fact, James 4 even refers to us, our lives as a vapor. You know, more about the durability of it. That doesn't mean this is a dream. It's very real. But I would argue... Even though the physical world is real, the spiritual world is realer. This is not a picture of heaven. This is the best I could do. But I'd say this is a lot closer than most people imagine it to be. I mentioned earlier there's a gamer who said, I like life online because you have clear expectations and attainable goals. And I think that's what all of us want. But online it's not real. At the end of the day when the power goes off, it's not real. 
even in real life without the Bible, expectations and goals are just as meaningless. The only way to have a life that has value is to live it the way the designer designed you to. Playing around with our perception is, of reality is fun, whether it's books or augmented reality. I would even argue it helps us with reality to have an imagination. But anyone trapped in a virtual reality world is going to have trouble with real life. And anyone trapped in an augmented reality world is going to have trouble with real life. And anyone trapped in the world without the word is going to have trouble with real life. All for the same reason. The inability to tell what's real and what's not. What matters and what doesn't. Until you're a Christian and really using the Bible to shape your decisions, life will be less than it could be. I know, especially at your age, you have some ideas. You have some thoughts about the future. It's exciting to consider what's coming. This world will rob you of that if you don't keep a clear head. Your life will always, always fall short of any kind of true happiness. It won't even really be life. At best, it'll be sleepwalking. I hope you cut. This is not, I'm not talking about online games. That's not really the point here. This, they just help me make the point. There's a lot of things, I think, in other generations that rob us of our clarity. There's lots of ways to fool yourself and lots of ways to disconnect from reality. I, I sometimes kid around, but I, I think I'm, yeah, I'm dead serious. If, I, if you were able to put a microphone here, and hook it up to every speaker in the world, and I had 30 seconds to speak to the whole planet, I know exactly what I'd say. I'd run up to the microphone, and I'd say, read your Bible, and that'd be it. Because that's your one hope. If people actually did it, you know what? Nobody does. Virtually nobody does. It's the best-selling book. I was just talking to a good friend. It's, did you know it's the most stolen book, too? Yeah. It's the most popular book. It's a bestseller, but nobody's reading it. Nobody. There's a lot of people say, oh, yeah, and they'll fight to have one, and they'll get mad if you talk bad about it, but nobody's reading it. A few people are. I hope you're one of them. It will make all the difference. I'm going to share something else with you really quick. There's this book called Unchristian. I, I try to share this once in a while because this just floored me. They took a bunch of people and they interviewed them. And they said, okay, all the Christians, we want to interview you. And say, so for today, you guys will be all the Christians. And all the non-Christians, you're over here. These guys, they did church things and they had Bibles and things like that. The loosest term, of, you know, the term Christian is possible. And then all the non-Christians, they didn't say, no, we don't go to church. You know, we may have a Bible. We're not that interested. And they interviewed them to find out how their lives were different. Like, what kind of choices do you make? Uh, do you live together before you're married? Do you cuss? Do you, and then you went down the line, stuff like that, to find out what the difference was. And you know what? After all this research of interviewing uh, hundreds and hundreds of people, you know what they found out? What the difference was? There was no difference. Everybody who claimed to be a follower of Christ lived the exact same way uh, the people who didn't claim to follow Christ. That's kind of scary. Not me. I'm going to read my Bible. I want to live my life with my eyes open. I'm going to do, I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm going to really try. I'm going to try to, to snap out of it and live life for real. If I could tell you anything, if the rest of what I've said today is blah, 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 I hope you hear this. Read your Bible, please. 
every day. It's the only way to keep a clear head. It's the only way to take the headset off. I guess you could put it that way and look around to make sure you haven't forgotten what really matters. Because if you don't, you're going to miss it. You're going to suddenly be my age, 400 years old. And you're going to look back and say, wow, I missed it. There's a bunch of things going on in the universe and we only see and know part of it, but God gave us his word to make sure we aren't in the dark. I like this verse. Here's Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. He's told us some things. Pretty important to find out what they are. The Christian knows the things that are revealed and that gives you an incredible advantage. Another guy said, Christians gain power by having the correct understanding of reality. This is why the truth is so powerful. By reading the Bible, we have inside information, and that makes life so much more real. Here among the sleepwalkers, we have to be the ones who snap out of it, the ones who know what's actually going on. And when we do, we'll discover something very, very important, that life is so much more enjoyable when it's real. I did it. I have some time to pick your brain. If you have the energy and the stamina, I would love to know some of the things that you have to say. My first question, well, no, okay, yeah. Do you know anybody, do you think this is a possibility or is this over the top? Is this just an old guy saying, oh, watch out, we're all gonna be on headsets forever and never eat our peanut butter sandwich and that's the end of life? Let me ask you this. Well, first of all, do you have any thoughts on any of this before? Because I sometimes I'll write down stuff that you guys talk about because I want to take this to somebody else. My thoughts. But do you have any thoughts on any of this? Well, I mean, being the Bible, that gives you life. People who are atheists, they have no reason for living. God gives us a reason for life. If you're an atheist, you have no purpose because you were just created by some dirt. Have no purpose. Well, yeah, you're exactly right. Everything I do, you know, might think of it this way. If you're not a Christian and, a, and, a, and an atheist is just kind of self-loose, and I have some good friends who are, people that I, I love dearly, who have made that decision, everything they do, everything they do doesn't matter. Everything. So, well, no, I'm going to feed these people, and I'm going to do this, and all, all the, the good things, but in the end, it all leads to nothing. If you're a Christian, I'm not talking about the air quote Christian, I'm talking about for real Everything you do matters. That's incredible. It's kind of scary. Uh, it's it's a lot more exciting. I know. I yeah. Good. Um. Just who, what type of a person? Like what type of a mean, rude, disrespectful person would have created atheism or Darwinism? Because it's just leading people away. It's not doing anything besides giving you. You know, you know what? I'm really glad you brought that up because I've I've seen some people who are like you described who are atheists and they're really really mean. And I've you know through me more than once as I've met some that are really really nice and they're struggling and uh, and I think they're they're hurting and they're damaged. And uh, so one of the best things we can do is kind of I know sometimes they're not going to listen by what we say, but maybe they'll watch what we do. And I got to add this: this was mentioned in the previous class by Steve as well. Is that don't expect perfection. Uh, even in your mistakes, you can be an example and get their attention. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to add a comment. Steve happens to be my dad. Well, good. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm glad I, I told the right guy that. Yeah. He's, he said some great things. Uh, yeah. So, 
even though something still makes sense, like how God, how God was here in the first place, we have a full book of proof showing everything in the past. Right. Right. Yeah. No. We we have the uh, uh, rational, calm examination of the evidence. God is the logical solution. I know, and I, I got to add this, most people who don't conclude that picture us going, la, 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 I just want to believe in heaven, and it's this empty hope. That's why you got to be the voice of reason in the room, the one who's read their Bible. And when somebody says, well, it's this contradiction, you can very nicely say, actually, it doesn't say that. I picture we're kind of the eye of the hurricane. Everybody's like angry and yelling at each other. And say, actually, no, one of the best things you can do in this situation is keep your cool, because... Uh, if you raise your voice, that just means you know you're losing the argument. Exclamation points mean you're losing. So just to calmly say, no, I, I read my Bible. I don't know everything about it, but I've checked into this. You're not the cliche teenager who is just getting hand-me-downs as far as their religion. You checked it out for yourself. You grew up. And I, I know lots of young men and young women who do that, and I really admire that. Anything about, do you see, do you see i got to tell you this. Yeah, you know what? Five minutes? Right. Okay, really quick. Uh, remember playing a video game? I was in my 20s. I was like old. And I played this game. I had to set a timer. I remember one time playing, and I, I think I started like I got out of school, college or something like this, and I oh, it's 2 o'clock, I think I'll play. And I looked up, it was like 11 at night, and the day went away. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's kind of creepy how it can eat your time. And again, I'm not picking on online games and things, but I think there are certain things like that that rob us of our life a little bit at a time. Do you think I'm overly worried? Do you see where games are going? It's kind of exciting. It's kind of cool. There's pluses, there's minuses. Do you have any friends that it's hard to hang out with them because they're always online? Or do you have any of those? Maybe I just do. Really, really quick because I know some of you do this. Good. He lies, and he's so good at it. Don't listen to people in movies say, oh, he's like this hideous monster. You know, that, he says, says that he presents himself as an angel of light. If you want to know where you're going to get hit, he's going to use good stuff and stuff that you love and stuff that seems okay, and he's going to lie, lie, lie. And if you don't have the truth, you're going to believe the lies. Go ahead. Good. Yeah. It's the way he tempts you. Like, uh, if if he gets you the correct way, he can use that to tempt you to get ahead of you to <clears throat> I'm really glad you bring that up because uh, something that kind of hit me recently. We won't, uh, for the sake of time, again check out James one, and it talks about the process of sin, how we spiral down. What's interesting about that passage is Satan isn't mentioned. And one thing to know about our enemy is he can't, and this is not what you're saying, but he can't make you do the wrong thing. What he can do is provide the lies for you. And when we come across something and say, I really want to do this or not to do this, we have a little file. I deserve to be happy. Stuff like that. Uh, and then we use that, the lies that he gives us, and that's our downfall. Adding on to what he said, we're kind of like the puppets in Satan's Yeah, we're very much like puppets. And what's funny about that is the biggest puppets are the ones who say, I don't want this religious stuff. I'm going to be free. And there they go. There was one lesson I heard that I thought was really interesting. There's this guy and he was preaching and he was talking about how one time this traveling salesman came and tried to sell him a vacuum and promised a carpet cleaning if they just listened to him about his vacuum. 
and three hours later they're sitting in his um, living room still talking about buying vacuums and yeah. his carpet hadn't been cleaned. Yeah. He just brought up how that was Satan's entry point of, oh, well, if you just... This isn't as bad as you might think it is, and then slowly it starts eating away, and three hours right. later, you still haven't gotten the car. You know, take it from an old guy. He's, he's exactly right, but take it from somebody, uh, you know, I, I, I've lived some time, and, and a lot of you have too. We can see it. It's a little bit, you lose a little bit at a time. Little, those little battles matter. So I, I guess, again, to, to close out, I would just really, if you're not reading your Bible every day, get excited about it. It's the most important thing you can do. Uh, no, because you believe it, because you studied it. One of the coolest things is to open your Bible and say, I didn't know that was in there. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's in the Bible that you didn't know was in there, and there's a lot of stuff that's not in the Bible that you think is. So it's really important to get that cleared up. I really appreciate your attention, and I'm going to leave it at that. But let me encourage you, if you're not a daily Bible reader, that's the one thing I want you to hear. Become one now. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Brett. Uh, always, always a very interesting perspective. Uh, no different here. Uh, I took several things away that uh, are, are very valuable. And it's interesting, you know, uh, reality, I guess, could maybe be a synonym of truth. People are looking for something real, something with purpose, with meaning. And uh, we, we have the best-selling book in all of our homes, but we're, they're not looking at what's real. We're looking for all of the other... Um, other answers and they're just not there. Very interesting stuff. Thank you, Brad. Appreciate all the work that you put in that. Uh, let's have a word of prayer and then uh, want to have a couple of messages as we uh, dismiss. Lord God, the uh, author and perfecter of, of truth and of faith, uh, Lord, you've provided us with so many answers and you've given us uh, insight into so many things in this world. Help us not to blind ourselves by choosing not to uh, dig into your word and to um, see you the things that you've revealed for us. Father, you've given us so many answers as far as how we got here and what we're supposed to be doing, how to be saved, how to be with you. Uh, Father, help us to take that to heart. Help us to show others uh, the truth about this uh, because it's so very significant. Thank you, Lord, for the ways that you bless our lives. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so uh, real quick, want to make you aware, the uh, at six o'clock tonight is going to be.